Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinsing, episode 433. This is our 2019 Year in Review special program. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you for being part of the Slow Flowers community and tuning in to the Slow Flowers podcast during 2019. I'm honored and humbled that you take the time to join me each week, especially in the midst of an ever more crowded and cluttered environment for information. Listenership of this program has grown more sizable than ever. Last year at this time, I told you the Slow Flowers podcast had been downloaded more than 390,000 times since this show's launch in July of 2013. Fast forward to today, and that number has climbed to 560,000 downloads. With an average monthly count of more than 14,000 episode downloads, I'm incredibly encouraged that this podcast remains relevant and essential as we deliver the voices, stories, and information you crave and enjoy. Every single week this year, in fact, every single week for the past 334 weeks, It has been my privilege to feature heroes from the Slow Flowers community. Unlike any other internet radio show in existence, the Slow Flowers podcast is tailored to you and your interests, making it must-listen programming a weekly habit among flower farmers and floral designers alike. In producing and hosting the Slow Flowers podcast, I seek out pioneers and personalities, style makers and influencers, as well as unsung or little-known heroes who together are changing the floral landscape, disrupting the status quo, and bringing flower sourcing and growing practices, not to mention eco-conscious design methods, to the center of the conversation. A highlight of 2019 was our expansive and inclusive series, 50 States of Slow Flowers. We've nearly made it through the entire alphabet, from Alabama's Lisa Thorne, of Thorn and Thistle at the beginning of the year to Wyoming's Teresa Tibbetts of Dandelion Floral, who you'll hear next week on New Year's Day. This ambitious series doubled the number of Slow Flowers podcast guests that we brought to you in 2019. Thank you to each of our state guests for their willingness to share their personal floral narrative with listeners. Together, their stories amplify the thriving message that our Slow Flowers movement is taking place everywhere and anywhere that people, gardens, soil, and sunshine exist. You can find the full list of our 50 States of Slow Flowers guests with links to the episode in which each appeared at today's show notes for episode 433 at deborahprinzing.com. There you'll also find a link to our show archives dating back to the first episode, which aired on July 23rd, 2013. 
Today, we'll start the show by introducing you to Wisconsin's Sally Vanderweist of the Milwaukee Flower Company. Sally is a past guest of this podcast. You met her back in 2015 when I interviewed many of the floral artists who created botanical rooms at Flower House Detroit. I'll share a link to that episode in which I spoke with several Flower House creators and teams. In that episode, Sally and her collaborator, Courtney Stenberg, discuss their design for the Upstairs Kitchen at Flower House, a beautiful botanical installation entitled Nature Takes Back. It's so hard to believe that here we are four years later and Milwaukee Flower Company has a lot of news to share. Wisconsin's Slow Flowers community has always been a strong one, and I'm grateful for growers and designers who are committed to seasonal and local blooms in the Upper Midwest, including Sally Vanderweist. So let's jump right in and hear from her as we continue the 50 states of Slow Flower series for 2019 and our stop in Wisconsin. Well, I'm so excited today to visit with my friend Sally Vanderweist of Milwaukee Flower Company. And by the name Milwaukee, you must guess that she is our guest for Wisconsin uh, and the 50 States of Slow Flowers series. So thank you for joining me, Sally. Oh, thanks, Deborah. I'm glad this worked out. You're kind of toward the end of the alphabet. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So who's after me, Wyoming? Yep, and then we're done. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I I will tell the listeners, you are a past guest of this podcast, but in the Wayback Time Machine, I think it was in 2015 when you were one of the designers at Flower House Detroit. Wasn't that when we did it? Right. Yeah. So lots happened in almost, well, in four and a half years, and it's time to, to hear from you again. Um, that was such a fun project, though, and I, I just will never forget the experience of, of being with you and the other designers and that magnificent experience of filling a room with flowers. I'm sure that was really awesome. You did a kitchen, right? I did. Yeah. The upstairs kitchen. That's right. And I'll never, I'll never forget you coming around the corner into the room when I was designing and I was just blown away that (laughs) you were like, I was like starstruck. (laughs) Well, I thought it was pretty cool too, because everybody, you know, Detroit is not exactly your neighbor. You had to make a commitment to travel from Milwaukee to to work on that multi-day project too. So I was like, wow, people are coming from other states and other, and as it turned out, other countries to work on this. So that was neat. So neat. So uh, lots has happened, and I want to uh, hear from you about what's going on with a Milwaukee Flower Company. Can you just update everybody as to sort of what's what your business model is now and where you are in the marketplace? Sure. So um, my studio is 20 minutes north of Milwaukee. Uh, Last winter, I bought a two-acre property with a large pole barn and a tiny, a small house. And um, I live in the house and we have, we renovated the studio or the pole barn to be our studio. And it's, we built our dream cooler. It's 16 feet long by eight feet wide. Oh my gosh. We've always like, it was, we literally drew it all on paper and then it magically happened. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of great. Like it uh, was one of those manifesting things. It was great. So we're planning to farm a half acre of it. Um, and so, yeah, we have our dream studio and this, uh, a cutting garden. 
But up until now, because you you uh, reminded me that you started your business in 2013. Uh, so for this first chapter of your business, you were you were not a farmer florist. You were primarily a, a florist and floral designer, right? Um, we did have a cutting garden where I was able to grow somewhere between six and 8,000 blooms a year. Oh, oh my gosh. That's um, right. Oh yeah, my gosh. It, no, that's, a, yeah, in my backyard. So it was a city lot in Milwaukee uh, where I rented. And luckily, luckily the landlord was cool with me tearing up the whole yard. <laughs> um, but we mostly grew dahlias mm-hmm. and some zinnias and the occasional Cosmo. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty big chunk of, of uh, I guess, flower revenue that you can, you know, not have to buy those flowers. Obviously, there's some cost involved in growing them, but it sounds like you were kind of hooked with the idea of growing some of your ingredients. Yeah, absolutely. And we, um, the Dahlia tubers, I got really into storing them and saving them and nerding out on that. <laughs> and so, and dividing them, and uh, so that's been, you know, kind of a passion of mine. And it's also, um, I just love being in the garden. It's just the best way to start the day. You know, the sun's coming up, and it's all dewy. I could just be so happy and be out there alone and listen to a podcast. So yeah, so the dahlia tubers that were in the rental cutting garden, did they move with you to the new place? They did. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. So yeah. describe what your services are, because you, you know, I, you've, you're a studio floor, based florist, right? You've never really had the retail side of things, have you? No, never had retail. I got my start in grocery, and so I needed, yeah, I prefer the studio-based model mm-hmm. after that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> run away, run um, away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I love having clients at my studio and it's Mm -hmm. always fun to, you know, show off what's happening in the cooler. Um, so we primarily do weddings. Um, and I have two full-time employees and, uh, five part-time employees. And we are, um, we design mostly luxury weddings. Mm. Love it. And I would just, yeah, I would describe our style as part or polish, but garden style. Um, so we also offer event styling. So someone will come to us with a concept and we'll, uh, create the whole vision board and, um, yeah. And I love designing for a space. Mm. So that's our main thing is, um, you know, a lot of venues have changed their policies for us where we're allowed to suspend flowers on the ceiling or, um, or, you know, maybe something massive in the entryway, something that other people haven't seen. We like to, you know, create the unexpected. Right. So you're kind of using every surface possible to transform maybe a more generic environment uh, and push the envelope as you do that. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, your uh, aesthetic being a little bit more polished and um, with a garden influence, do you are, is is that kind of um, bringing you more urban customers, or are you are you kind of casting your net wider beyond just the city venues? So there's so Milwaukee is ninety minutes north 
of Chicago. Mm. And so about 75% of my clients are Chicago folks who are getting married in Milwaukee. Mm. So it's Milwaukee sort of become a destination, uh, a a wedding destination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a little more affordable to get married in Milwaukee versus Chicago. Sure. And um, yeah, so a lot of my clients don't live here. Um, I forgot, where were we? Well, I guess I was talking, I I was interested in that kind of when you, the word polish just kind of intrigued me. Like that is a, you know, luxury term. And so I wanted to know where, you know, where were these clients, you know, where are they in terms of choosing a designer? And so it sounds like, you know, there's sort of this urban, I always call Chicago like New York light. Like there's this sort of metro urban glam with Chicago. So they're bringing it with them and wanting a designer who can reflect that. It sounds like. Exactly. Yeah. And I think too, it's um, a lot of our clients tend to be younger, early Mm -hmm. twenties. And they, they really, it's so great. They care so much about the aesthetic. Mm, I love Um, it. And so it's, it's fun to pull all the details together for them. But yeah, most of our clients are coming from Chicago or uh, Marquette University is in Milwaukee and a lot of alum will get Mm -hmm. married in Milwaukee. So maybe they live in New York or San Francisco and they want to come back to where they met. Well, yeah, I mean, the name is great. Obviously, you're not, there's nothing confusing about Milwaukee Flower Company. You say where you are, what you do. (laughs) And it probably, it's probably been really fun with that branding to, uh, you know, pull in that message of, hey, and our flowers grow in Milwaukee, too. I mean, has that kind of Mm -hmm. been effective for uh, how you've marketed the company? Yeah, a, a good chunk of customers will say, you know, will say, oh, what are you going to have in your garden? Mm. I think people are excited. Mostly when people come to the studio, they're just like drawn. They're like, before they leave, like, we have to see the garden. Mm. Um, And it's really cool. So something new we're doing for next year is for 2020, we're going to offer photographers to come use our little, our half acre farm Mm -hmm. uh, for photos. Mm-hmm. Like first look photos so maybe, or something like that. Yeah, or engagement photos mm. or family photos. Um, That's it's neat. usually pretty pristine. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in, but the but the vicinity being so close proximity wise to the city also makes it easy for folks to you know make the trip and not feel like they. I don't know, spend a whole day driving somewhere. So that's kind of to your advantage as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. So other than your sourcing from yourself, what are your other sourcing um, kind of outlets or, or um, secrets or. We have a few, um, we have a few growers that we get, we uh, flowers are shipped directly to us. One is my brother who is farms in central Missouri. Um, Over the last few years, I've, convinced him and his partner to grow more flowers. And um, so I get some flowers from him. That's awesome. Does he have a business name? He does. Yeah. Three Creeks Produce. Okay. That's right. I forgot that that you introduced me to um, a florist in St. Louis because of that connection, right? From you going down there? Yeah. Yeah. Flowers and weeds. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's yeah. so fun. Mm-hmm. So you, that's a fan, keeping it in the family. And he, your brother was a, pro, a food grower, and you've convinced him to become a flower grower. <laughs> yes, they still grow food, um, but he's so funny. They now have three high tunnels that are just flowers. That's fabulous. Um, I know, and he's like, "Wow, these checks are really different." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should have listened to me earlier. <laughs> Yeah, right. The older sister. (laughs) Uh, That's cool. Yeah. And then we have a few local farms that we buy from. um, And some are as far as two and a half hours away. Yeah. Um, So there's a tends to be like a there's a ton of flower growers in the Madison area, Mm -hmm. which is 90 miles west of us. Yeah. Um, And so um, we can sometimes source from people out there. But then there's also a some growers more in central Wisconsin too. Well, um, yeah. So you've got the wedding business and event business, and then, um, you are, um, you're cooking up something new for 2020 a, a sort of a new way to deliver flowers. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. So, um, I started or I launched, I soft launched a company called Zap Bloom. And we're hoping that people in Milwaukee will want to, um, you know, choose their flowers online from a a list of flowers. So, you know, we'll offer a few color palettes and two different size bouquets and boutonnieres and two different centerpieces. Um, and people will choose those things and then we'll simply drop them off. It's mm. more for a, a DIY couple. Yeah. And it also, I could see it almost like a mobile platform too, where people are just a certain demographic is just living their whole life off their phone. And you're, you're going to be there for them to just click through and, and choose what they want. Yeah. And I'm hoping it will work too for, um, for rehearsal dinners. Mm. Right. So right. like even our current clients, let's say they, they only need a couple hundred dollars of the flowers for their rehearsal dinner. Well, Zap Bloom is perfect for them because they know the style will be the same as, you know, our wedding flowers. I think sometimes people don't want to deal with the fuss. Yeah. I'm seeing that more and more um, I think, with this new generation. Yeah, I think this where we are seeing it in other categories like how you buy a car. Like nobody wants to go deal with the hassle of that old model where, you know, it's, it's kind of that. Well, for, certainly there's no transparency. So you don't really know what you're getting for your money and you have to haggle. And so maybe that's a little bit of the benefit of what you're offering. The, 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 the person who wants a certain aesthetic, but they, they don't have time to meet with a florist or, and you certainly don't get, you know, you don't get your time sucked up by a client who's not really willing to pay for consultation services as well, right? Right, exactly. So um, yeah. I, I think it's smart. It, and it, you did give it a completely different brand platform. It, it Was that intentional just to kind of separate to your, your efforts to be specific uh, and not take away from Milwaukee Flower Company? Right. Milwaukee Flower Company's clients tend to be more traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I'm thinking Zap Bloom's clients are more modern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we specifically, it's, uh, Zap Bloom is gender neutral mm-hmm. and it's all fun. Like the web, you go look at the website, zapbloom.com. It's 
um, like all these neon colors and it's, it's really fun. I love it. No, I've looked at it before and I, 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 it's a very unusual palette and very modern and kind of, as I said, sort of fashion forward. Like it's, it's definitely skews youthful as well. So, uh, are there links? There's no link between the two, two, two websites or anything like that. Like people don't toggle back and forth or anything. Um, No, not yet. TBD. So what I'm hoping to do is launch that bloom in Milwaukee and then maybe somebody else who has a, you know, a a flower business like Milwaukee Flower Company in another city, maybe they want to open a Zap Bloom. Oh, yeah. Um, And then they could take our infrastructure and, uh, and build it, you know, have Zap Bloom Asheville or right like a like a separate and a separate channel of business in a market that's you're never going to compete with but you're giving them all of the kind of pieces that you've developed for your model right yeah we'll see how it goes in Milwaukee that's so cool (laughs) wow well well Sally I know when when you were on the uh, podcast the last time I probably asked you a little bit about your path to flowers but I want to hear about uh, you looking in the rearview mirror and and maybe reflecting on some of the things that have led you to where you are now. You said you started as a grocery uh, mass market floral designer. That couldn't be different, any more different than what you're doing now. So how did you make right. that leap? So, um, well, going back even farther, I grew up in a family of gardeners. Mm. Uh, my mom and my aunt are both incredible gardeners, very different from each other. Um style-wise or gardens are very different. Um, but just that being in the garden was just part of everyday life. Well, in Wisconsin, most, most days <laughs> right. most of the year. Um, but, um, so I grew up in gardens yeah. and, um, and then I, yeah. So then eventually I didn't go to college, but I did get a job at a grocery store just as a, just as a flower processor. Yeah. And so, um, you know, opening the boxes, chopping them and putting them in buckets. Um, and I did that for a number of years. And that's probably how a lot of people start, even at, you know, at retail, right? I mean, anybody who, who comes Mm -hmm. into a flower shop, that's usually the, the entry level job, right? Right. Exactly. I was just talking to a friend who does hair and he was saying, you know, he washed hair for a number of years <laughs> before anyone allowed him to cut. And there's something about, <laughs> there's something about it. It's like, man, I washed buckets and you washed hair. <laughs> similar, <laughs> that's similar how we thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah, um, for a number of years, I knew I wanted to continue to work in flowers after I left the grocery store, but um, uh, ended up getting a job at a small shop downtown Milwaukee um, but that wasn't paying enough, right? Cause I was just the shop help. Mm-hmm. So I worked at the boys and girls club and cleaned houses and had a million jobs, um, just to have a job in flowers for a long time. And then, um, there's a, like a high end grocery chain in Milwaukee. And I worked there, uh, for four years managing one of their flower departments. So back to grocery. Yeah. But a little bit more um, elevated, it sounds like in terms of. Right. The materials you the, the the botanicals you worked with and maybe who the customers were wandering in and at what they were asking for. Absolutely, and we so we did events too. Hmm. Um, so that's where I started learning about how how fun weddings were. Um, and so um, so yeah, so I when I left the 
the high-end grocery store. I went and worked at the wholesaler for two weeks <laughs> and decided that was not for me. And so I <laughs> wow. <quit. laughs> yeah. Being in a concrete cold building all day and not touching any flowers. Uh, um, that was tough. I, yeah. I need to touch them. Yeah. So crazy that I need that. Um, but then I ended up working there for a little bit. And so I quit there with no job. And I had a friend who was a bartender at this Mexican restaurant in my neighborhood. And she said, you know, the owner always buys flowers every week. Maybe she'd want you to do the vases on the tables. Hmm. I was like, okay, sure. And so I went and talked to her and she said, yeah, start tomorrow. Oh, wow. And I asked, I know. So I asked her if I could put a vase of flowers in the bathroom with my business cards, which I didn't have any, but <laughs> I you know, eventually did later that afternoon. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and she said, yes. And so um, I booked my first wedding. Wow. Through this arrangement in the ladies' room. That's crazy. But it's you know, like if you don't put it out there, no one will know who you are. So it's good that you asked. I know, right? And so that first year of business, I taught workshops and um, picked up another restaurant and had a few different little projects going on. Um, and yeah, I had my shop out of my kitchen. Wow. Wow. And that, that was that first year. That was 2013. Mm-hmm. Did you? Yep. Uh, did and you, now I have two full-time employees and property and a pole barn turned studio and a dream cooler. It's like wow, flowers really. I know flowers really did build this path for you to entrepreneurship. It's it's wonderful to hear about. You know, I just got goosebumps hearing you say that. It's so <laughs> true. I feel I feel so grateful. Ah, uh, well, to have, found, to have found something I love doing and that I can make a living, and also support these other amazing women who work for me. Yeah. And, and you kind of kept putting one step in front of the other and, and showing up and f- waiting for the right door to open in terms of, Oh, this is the fl- flower life I want. Not that one, but this <laughs> one. And uh, sometimes that's just growing up, right? Like I just think of the crazy jobs I had in my twenties and into my early thirties where I was just trying to f- figure it out and f- like, what, I- mm-hmm. what am I supposed to be doing? You know, and it, it there's no roadmap. So. Nope. <laughs> so good on you. I have a banner in my office that uh, I bought done in Portland a couple years ago at a conference. And it's, it's sort of, it's sort of got letters that are like, like an old college pennant. It's felt, but the words say, figure it out. And I look at it every day. It's like, that's all I have to do. Just keep pushing ahead and I'll figure it out. I don't have the answers today. So you kind of, your story reminds me of that. Yeah. One of my mantras is nothing has to be figured out right now. But that's one of my favorite things because I'm always like, okay, now what? Well, I'll take a picture of this and text it to you. I I think yours yours is a little more practical. Well, yeah. well, we talked a little bit about Zap Bloom as sort of taking up some of your energy for 2020 and then your new half acre flower farm, which is still going to be under the umbrella of Milwaukee Flower Company, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, before we go, I want to ask you two things. One is just since you started in 2013 with this business, and of course you've been in floral much longer, what have you seen change in terms of attitudes of consumers about Wisconsin-grown flowers or Midwest-grown flowers or American-grown flowers? Are you seeing a little more awareness or maybe it's just the 
what you're saying to people has changed, and so therefore they are more aware. So I think I haven't seen a huge consumer change, but I have seen a huge change at the wholesale house. Mm. So when I used to say, I want local product, they'd look at me sideways. You know, mm. it was always like, oh, her. okay, well, sure, <laughs> we'll we'll get some pussy willow or whatever. <laughs> there was maybe like a couple of things they could get for me um, locally, or maybe there'd be like a week they had peonies. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But that's changed so much. Um, my, my reps at the wholesalers will say to me, Oh, we're got this local product in and they, they now understand and are definitely more on board. And you just by virtue of asking relentlessly for years, (laughs) helped show them there's a, there's definitely a niche in the market for local product. Yeah, absolutely. And people do love it when I tell them when I'm, you know, let's say on wedding day, I go and deliver the bride's bouquet and I point out like, oh, this came from my garden. Mm. This came, you know, from another farm in Wisconsin. I can Mm -hmm. point out those things. You can tell there's a real emotional connection. Mm -hmm. I agree. That's neat. Well, you and I both have agreed that you've got something big cooking for 2020 that we're going to have you back on the podcast in the spring to talk about. So is there any hint that you want to share just to whet people's um, appetite for chapter two of this conversation? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So um, so Liz Egan and I, who she owns Floral Alchemy, she and I are working on a flower spectacle. Mm. We're just going to call it that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> a flower spectacle. The um, the DNC is hosting their convention in Milwaukee in July. And uh, something's going to happen then. Awesome. Oh, I just got the shivers. Something beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I think it's going to be wonderful to have flowers as the beautiful focus during a political convention. So we will be back to hear for more when you're ready to roll it out. And in the meantime, thank you for sharing an update on Milwaukee Flower Company, Sally. I just adore you. And you've been such a passionate Slow Flowers member. And I'm, I'm happy to catch you up with the listeners who kind of see what's happening in the in the heartland really um it's it's all good and and i'm thrilled that you can tell us a little bit more about what's happening in wisconsin oh thank you for everything you do deborah Mm. i appreciate it you bet here's to 2020 yes cheers (laughs) thank you bye-bye bye so happy we could catch up with Sally. You'll want to stay tuned for her return to this podcast when she has more to report on the upcoming Floral Spectacle, a collaboration with fellow Slow Flowers member Liz Egan of Floral Alchemy, also based in Milwaukee. The two are cooking up something big and flowery to occur during the Democratic National Convention in Milwaukee next summer. I can't wait to learn more. For now, I'll share Sally's links in today's show notes for episode 433 so you can find and follow Milwaukee Flower Company and learn about her newest venture for budget-savvy event florals, Zap Bloom. Thanks for joining our Wisconsin conversation. Next up, as I have done since the beginning of 2014, I'd like to devote today to the Slow Flowers highlights of this past year. 
Next week on January 1st, I will present the annual Slow Flowers Floral Insights and Industry Forecast for 2020. Last year at this time, we reflected on the highlights of 2018 with 10 top themes. The sentiments I shared with you then are no truer today. In fact, given the world in which we live, they are more meaningful to me than ever. One year ago, I said this, more than ever, I realized that making authentic human connections with you is what really matters. Each experience is more meaningful because of the relationships we forge with one another. Please know how valuable that statement is. Relationships are the connective tissue that ties us together, no matter where we live geographically and no matter which role we play in the floral marketplace. Follow along as we reflect on 2019 and see highlights of the year in review at our show notes at deborahprinzing.com, including beautiful photos to illustrate these themes and stories. You might see a friendly face in the photos or find an important link to just the resource you're looking for. So what did we do in 2019? Each of our four content channels and our live programming have added up to an incredible year of engagement, interactivity, relationships, and more. The year began with the unveiling of our new Slow Flowers Society branding and website, a central hub for all our Slow Flowers projects. Why the Society? Our focus hasn't changed. In fact, our mission continues, which is this, to change the flower sourcing practices of consumers and professionals through outreach and education that highlights the benefits of local, seasonal, and domestic floriculture, and to build a movement that promotes cultivation and sales of those flowers while nurturing authentic connections between consumers, farmers, and florists. The name change to society was long in coming, yet it didn't happen impetuously or overnight. Launched at the start of 2019, when we were already turning a calendar page and thinking about a clean reboot, the new Slow Flowers Society branding brings clarity to the Slow Flowers platform. Since I wrote the book Slow Flowers, a lot has happened with these two words, slow flowers. These two words now symbolize an entire movement, a movement that hundreds of thousands of florists, flower farmers, retailers and designers use as shorthand to reflect their belief in local, seasonal, and sustainably grown botanicals and sustainable design methods. After the book's publication, and as it became clear to me that there was an opportunity to position Slow Flowers as an industry standard, new ideas inspired me to bring the following channels and programs to life. Those include, in addition to slowflowers.com, American Flowers Week, the Slow Flowers Podcast, Slow Flowers Journal Online, and the Slow Flowers Summit. With five channels and programs, each of which has its own exclusive website, things were getting a little unruly. And truth be told, those individual and focused web addresses still exist, and they're continually updated with dedicated content. But by building a front door via slowflowerssociety.com, I feel like we helped connect the dots for all our activities. I hope you find it helpful too. With the help of Lisa Wad of Pot and Box, a longtime member and all-around organizational genius, I also tackled a major cleanup of the Slow Flowers membership database in 2019, which allowed me to pivot the focus and energies of slowflowers.com to support and encourage those of you who have invested your time, creativity, and financial resources as members. We wrapped up 2019 with nearly 650 active and engaged members representing flower farmers, farmer florists, designers, wholesalers, floral collectives, and more. 
We recently established Slow Flowers International, an international affiliate program for like-minded organizations in other countries. And it is with great pleasure that in 2019, our friends at Slow Flowers Italy joined as our first international affiliate. Founded in 2017, Slow Flowers Italy members are part of a network of professionals, of people who carry the values of respect and attention to the environment, local territories, traditions, and community development. Welcome and congratulations, Slow Flowers Italy. We can't wait to partner with you again in raising awareness about seasonality, sustainability, and the benefits of supporting local floral agriculture. Slow Flowers is both a community and a branding platform, and clearly one of the most visible tools available to our members is slowflowers.com, the online member directory. But there are so many other member benefits from your Slow Flowers Association. Sharing those resources with you will be a focus of 2020, as we will use the Slow Flowers podcast and the Slow Flowers Journal online magazine to feature more ways to leverage your membership and communicate the Slow Flowers member values and benefits. I've found that the number one goal of our members is to tell and share their stories. And because I'm a storyteller, we have lots of opportunities to shine a light on our members. In a marketplace filled with conventional flowers, our members are able to differentiate themselves and their floral enterprises by associating with the passion and mission of keeping flowers local, seasonal, and sustainable, and inspiring the imagination of flower lovers and floral consumers who learn more about that narrative. To that end, in 2019, we produced two year-long projects. Those series allowed me to feature Slow Flowers members all across the U.S. and Canada with special themes. Visually, we featured the flowers grown and designed by Slow Flowers members who contributed to our monthly house.com series in 2019. We planned a full year of Slow Flowers galleries with each month's floral theme published as a best of collection of design inspiration based around specific seasonal blooms. Check out the links to the full 2019 gallery in today's show notes. In all, we shared more than 250 floral images with house.com readers publishing an ongoing, consistent message that local and seasonal botanicals are superior. As I've mentioned, our other series, 50 States of Slow Flowers, has taken place all year long. It has succeeded beyond all of my hopes and dreams. We were able to visit members in nearly every state. I think we skipped just two, and perhaps 2020 will allow me to catch up with the people in the states we missed. But think about it. The chance to hear from flower farmers, floral designers, and farmer florists across North America also reinforces the significance of slow flowers. The big media news for Slow Flowers in 2019 happened when Wikipedia added an entry about Slow Flowers and the Slow Flowers movement. This achievement was a long time in coming, and it's wonderful to see that it became a reality. As a digital information source, Wikipedia is of growing importance, primarily because it is a free universal resource, one of the first examples of a usable encyclopedia that is built collaboratively by the public. Today, when someone types Slow Flowers into their search engine, two entries appear first. One is the directory slowflowers.com, but typically the Wikipedia story about Slow Flowers pops up at the top of the bar. It's not everything, but it's a pretty cool something. Because in today's digital reality, showing up on Wikipedia is a great endorsement. And a special thank you to writer Mariah Towner for shepherding this project with her research, reporting talents, and attention to detail. 
More press exposure made this a fabulous year for Slow Flowers in the news. And I just want to take a moment to mention how many outlets expressed interest in our platform. This is by no means comprehensive, but I'll mention some highlights here. Added up, it's pretty impressive. Architectural Digest, Seattle Magazine, Flora Business's Hortipoint, Vox, Bustle, the Green Industry Leaders Network podcast, the Seattle Times, Sunset Magazine, Canadian Florist, The Globe and Mail, Good Food Jobs Blog, Oregon Live, The Sacramento News Review, Perishable News, The Flower Podcast, Mornings with Mayesh, The Green Dreamer Podcast, The Viva La Flora Podcast, Refinery29, Garden Center Magazine, WYSO, which is an NPR station in Ohio, the Minneapolis Star Tribune, and Bloomsday Review. And of course, our ongoing editorial features about Slow Flowers members in each month's Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. You can find a link to those articles in today's show notes, but let me pause and reflect on our Florist Review partnership. It is an incredible one that has been pivotal, pivotal to me in moving the conversation about local seasonal and sustainable flowers and sustainable design practices to the mainstream. We have a seat at the table, and I am so grateful to publisher Travis Rigby and editor-in-chief David Koch for this ongoing opportunity. I'm also part of the editorial teams for Super Floral, a bi-monthly magazine geared to mass market and supermarket floral retail, and Canadian Florist, a bi-monthly magazine for professional florists in Canada. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to contribute original articles about Slow Flowers members and their creative business ventures to these titles during 2019. All of this work as a professional communicator opened up another great opportunity for me and Slow Flowers in 2019. In September, I was inducted into the PFCI, Professional Floral Communicators International, a Society of American Florists organization. What an honor that again brings Slow Flowers into the mainstream as an authentic channel in the floral marketplace. Producing the third annual Soulflowers Summit occupied so much of our creative energy in 2019. As an event designed for you, our membership, it exceeded all expectations. For those of you who joined us this past year in St. Paul, Minnesota, in the Twin Cities, I hope you agree. And I thank you for showing your support by attending, engaging, contributing to the conversation, and cheering us on. It was a beautiful thing to experience. As you know, the summit is the live event in the midst of American Flowers Week, created to serve the Slow Flowers community of progressive, sustainably-minded florists and designers, and to engage attendees who want to network with one another. Planning and producing the third annual summit was made possible by the contributions of so many people. We must thank our host, Christine Hoffman of Twin Cities Flower Exchange, along with all the flower farmers who sell through that regional floral market, for welcoming us so warmly, more than 135 of us to be precise. The pre-summit farm tours at Blue Sky Flower Farm and at Green Earth Growers gave everyone a first-hand experience of two incredibly beautiful and prolific Midwest flower farms. Thank you so much to John and Rachel Ackerman of Blue Sky Flower Farm for welcoming more than 100 of us to your inspiring farm. And thank you to Jolia Gress and Jenny Hotz of Green Earth Growers for the tour of your fields and greenhouses and for hosting the first ever Slow Flowers Dinner on the Farm, a delicious experience to say the least. 
At the summit, we enjoyed 10 fabulous speakers, experts in their fields and experts as teachers and communicators. Due to the intimate size of the summit attendance, everyone has a chance to meet our speakers personally. That's one of the key benefits of being part of our Slow Flowers community, making in real-time connections is a top-sided benefit according to past summit attendees. Presentations and demonstrations from Toby Nelson, Carly Jenkins, and Whit McClure ensured that floral design was at the heart of the Slow Flower Summit. Our attendees and speakers also collaborated on a large-scale foam-free floral sculpture using seasonal domestic and foraged botanicals. It was a highlight. We enjoyed a business-focused keynote from Terry McEnany, CEO of Bailey Nurseries, and a social media panel with our own social media manager, Nisha Blancas, our summit photographer, Missy Palacol, and Missy's frequent collaborator, Kalisa Jenny Frazier. And we learned volumes from three innovators involved in the emerging category of locally focused wholesale floral hubs across the U.S., including Christine Hoffman of Twin Cities Flower Exchange, Amanda Marriman of Michigan Flower Growers Cooperative, and Kelly Morrison of Piedmont Wholesale Flowers. On day two of the summit, attendees were invited to tour the Twin Cities Flower Exchange where florist and event designer Ashley Fox shared her personal approach to shopping the exchange for a floral design using all local blooms. We also visited the last rose grower in the Midwest with an afternoon tour of Lynn Bush roses steeped in more Midwest grown flowers. If you missed joining us, I have a treat for you. You can watch the free videos of all of the 2019 Slow Flowers Summit presentations at deborahprinzing.com. Find that link in today's show notes. I can't wrap up mention of the Slow Flowers Summit without reminding you to register for the fourth annual Slow Flowers Summit, taking place June 28th through 30th, 2020 at Filoli Historic House and Garden in Woodside, California outside of San Francisco. It's going to be an incredibly creative experience and we're offering you more value and benefits than ever before. The early bird pricing continues through December 31st, so there's not much time left to save $100 off your registration and grab a spot to join me and some wonderful speakers in the Bay Area next summer. I'll share a link in today's show notes at deborahprincing.com so you can find all the details or you can just click over to slowflowerssummit.com to sign up. We celebrated the fifth annual American Flowers Week during June 28th through July 4th, 2019. And you and your flowers were at the heart of this fabulous and important campaign. Slow Flowers created this original U.S. flower promotion holiday launched in 2015. Our grassroots all-inclusive campaign provides editorial, branding, and marketing resources to flower farmers, florists, designers, retailers, and wholesalers who wish to promote American-grown flowers. Highlights of 2019 include our fourth year to commission botanical couture fashions with nine creative looks featured in the June 2019 issue of Florist Review entitled Red, White, and Bloom. Thank you to the floral designers and flower farmers who collaborated on this project of flowering our nation during American Flowers Week. The inventiveness expressed by the Slow Flowers community, flower farmers and floral designers alike, elevates American-grown botanicals to new levels. You can find photos of the entire 2019 American Flowers Week collection of botanical fashions, including stories of each look, in today's show notes. And now's the time to mark American Flowers Week 2020 on your calendar. 
June 28th through July 4th, because it will be our sixth annual campaign and celebration. I'll have more to share in the coming months, but you are invited to check out the 2020 Botanical Art branding that we commissioned from Tamara Huff of Morning Glory Flowers. And she was actually featured in last week's Slow Flowers podcast. Why not download the graphics to share on your website and via social media? Help me to start building interest and excitement for the 2020 American Flowers Week campaign. And be sure to use the hashtag American Flowers Week so we can see your posts. Surely the people making the Slow Flowers Movement so successful are you and your tribe coming together with other similar tribes in regions and communities all around, both here in North America and beyond. We share information, ideas, encouragement, key resources, tips, answers, experiences, and more. We are united in a common belief that local and seasonal flowers grown sustainably and with minimal harm to the planet is a practice worthy of our energies. In 2019, my personal universe was filled with a few key people whose presence and expertise helped me further shape Slow Flowers from what was originally just a concept, a title of a book, into a multimedia, multifaceted content organization and brand platform for others' use. I shared a bit of this on the podcast sixth anniversary episode, which took place on July 4th, when Lisa Wad joined me to talk about our collaboration to shore up the Slow Flowers membership organization. In late March, Lisa and I participated in a spontaneous mind meld with two other flower friends, Park Getaway, Park Workation, the gathering of four women creatives in small and large ventures from different generations and walks of life was an electrifying experience, to say the least. What emerged from our time together was a new collaboration for Slow Flowers, with Lisa joining me to manage a project I simply did not have the bandwidth to tackle. I had been yearning for someone who could help me untangle the crazy knot of our Slow Flowers member database. For many, this would be a mind-numbingly boring clerical rather than creative task, yet for Lisa... This was a creative challenge, and it called her in and rise to the occasion she has. I'm so grateful for everything Lisa's done to support Slow Flowers in 2019. Other key people include the Slow Flowers creative team, with whom I work all year long. Thank you to Jenny Diaz, our uber-talented graphic designer, whose artistry helps us communicate and represent the ideas and ideals of Slow Flowers. She has consistently supported my projects since I asked her to create our membership and sponsor collateral material in 2015, followed quickly by the iconic American Flowers Week branding, which was unveiled in 2016, our second year. And my collaboration with Jenny has expanded now to include all of Slow Flowers and American Flowers Week branding, advertising, collateral material, and more. And now I'm so excited to be working with Jenny as the designer of the Slow Flowers Journal Volume 1 book out in 2020. More on that soon. Thank you to Nisha Blancas, our social media maven of fetching social media. I've also known and worked with Nisha since 2015. She took over our Instagram and Facebook social media strategy two years ago, and I couldn't be more pleased. Under her leadership, talent, and attention to detail, Nisha has nurtured the at my Slow Flowers channel on Instagram and Facebook's Slow Flowers page, exponentially increasing our engagement with you, our community. Nisha has been with the Slow Flowers Summit team from the very first conference in 2017 in Seattle, and she was also a presenter this past year in St. Paul, Minnesota. 
I'm so grateful for her creativity and positive influence as we take this Slow Flowers journey together. And thank you to Karen Thornton of Avenue 22 Events, the steady hand on the tiller of the Slow Flowers Summit since 2018, our second conference. Karen is the secret sauce to my being able to realize a vision for a multifaceted, interactive, and live in-person experience that takes place during the heart of American Flowers Week. She is one of my fiercest defenders and the brand advocate I've needed to round out the Slow Flowers team. For 2020, Karen is coming on board to manage the entire Slow Flowers administrative suite of projects, making sure we stay on time, on budget, on point, and more. I couldn't be happier with the contributions of the four women I just thanked. And yet, there is one other key person I need to add. It's our dedicated, talented, and supportive podcast engineer and editor, Andrew Brenlin. Thank you, Andrew. Hannah Brinlin was my original producer, and after about one year, she handed the weekly production over to her husband, Andrew. As I said last year, Andrew has taken our audio to new levels with beautiful musical transitions and his patient and loyal efforts to improve my limited technical skills. Let's face it, I know how to find great guests, and I know how to interview them. But beyond that, this podcast would not exist without Andrew. He's a new father, too, as Hannah and Andrew welcomed baby Francis to their family this year. Congratulations, Andrew, and thank you so much for making our podcast so successful in 2019. As we come to a close, I want to thank our 2019 sponsors. Slow Flowers sponsors support our work to connect consumers with florists, shops, studios, and farmers who supply and source domestic and American-grown flowers and related hard goods, accessories, and businesses. I just want to take a minute to thank them for their financial support in 2019 and to tell you a little bit about how each partnership is uniquely tailored to meet the mutual goals of promoting American flowers. You've already heard about our partnership with lead sponsor Florist Review, but I'll thank Travis Rigby, publisher, David Koch, editorial director, and Kathleen Dillinger, art director here. They and the rest of the Florist Review team are a joy to work with, and I respect and value our relationship. And as I said, coming up in early 2020, our first book collaboration with Florist Review, called The Slow Flowers Journal, Volume 1, created with the amazing, talented support of Robin Ovney as editor and our own Ginny Diaz as designer. Can't wait to share more, but you can see a sneak peek of the book cover art in today's show notes, featuring photography by Missy Palakal. Thank you to these amazing sponsors, the Peony Farmers of Arctic Alaska Peonies, who supported this podcast and the Slow Flowers Journal in 2019. The Seattle Wholesale Growers Market and its amazing group of Northwest flower farmers and market staff. Longfield Gardens for connecting florists to gardening and connecting gardeners to floral design. Johnny Selected Seeds for producing high quality seeds for flowers, foliages, and herbs that we plant in cutting gardens and on flower farms of all sizes. Syndicate Sales for supporting florists with an incredibly diverse selection of USA-made vases, design mechanics, and accessories. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers for its support and leadership in growing flower farming as an important profession. Mayesh Wholesale Florist has again supported the podcast and American Flowers Week in 2019, and we're so grateful for their industry support. Northwest Green Panels, the Oregon-based greenhouse builder, which is responsible for my charming 8x8-foot modern slant greenhouse. And Farmers Web, the software company that came on board mid-year as a podcast and newsletter sponsor. 
Slow flowers is the term most widely used in the floral marketplace to communicate and convey seasonal, local, and sustainable floriculture. It has been another record-setting year in so many ways. According to Keyhole.com, our tracking service, slow flowers metrics are higher than ever. Our social media maven, Nisha, has worked tirelessly to represent slow flowers and its members through the medium with great results. In the past 365 days, on Twitter and Instagram combined, Slowflowers has appeared in more than 75,000 posts, up from 47,000 in 2018. And we've had engagement of 2.3 million, up from engagement of 1.4 million in 2018. To that I say, what are you waiting for? We'd love you to join Slowflowers and put your resources, creativity, personal engagement, and passion to work for a movement that gives back to you in volumes. You can start the new year with a commitment to supporting Slow Flowers and you can join us for as little as $50 a year to enjoy the many programs and benefits for members. The link to join is at today's show notes or at slowflowers.com join. Thank you for being part of this movement and I hope you'll make the next step by investing in the continued relevance and success of this brand. It will reward you as well. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging on to iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Well, that's it, folks. As our year comes to a close, I wish you a warm and restorative holiday season and share my hope for a peaceful and productive 2020.